I'm Marcia Policiano. Welcome to the World We Want podcast, where we explore key themes related to the UN Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, through conversations with influencers and thought leaders. The World We Want is hosted by the RELICS SDG Resource Center. To find out more, go to sdgresources.relx.com. Welcome to the World We Want podcast. My name is Marcia Beliciano and I am your host. I'm head of ESG and corporate responsibility for Relics. It's my pleasure to welcome Rosanna Tarvedian, who's an expert in international economics and sustainable development. She's founding president and CEO of the Geneva Consensus Foundation, which under her leadership gained special consultative status with the United Nations Social and Economic Council. She's an economist and a mathematician with 30 years of professional service. She has worked for the government of Armenia in senior positions in the ministries of finance and economy. And she has also worked at the International Labor Organization as a research economist in Moscow and at the Geneva headquarters. She's taught at the ILO International Training Center at Turin, Italy, and she's a member of the editorial board of several international journals. Uh, she's also recently joined the Municipal Council of Geneva City as a municipal councillor and as a member of parliament for Geneva City. She'll be serving on the Liberal and Radical Party list as a member of the Sports and Housing Commission for the 2020 to 2025 legislature. She's also a representative of Switzerland in the Policy Advisory Group on Climate and Sustainability of the Alliance of Liberals and Democrats for Europe. Rosanna is also one of the authors of the book Measuring Sustainable Development Goals Performance, which launched in February 2022 at the United Nations Economic and Social Council Partnership Forum, which is focused on the theme of building back better from the coronavirus disease while advancing the full implementation of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Welcome, Rosanna. We are really pleased that you're able to join us today. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'll be pleased to share my thoughts and ideas with you. Well, we ask everyone the same first question on the World We Want podcast, which is what world should we want and how do we create it? So sustainable development is indeed the most significant collective challenge facing humanity today. And what world I would have liked to say I want is a peaceful and just world. Today, when the bombs are blowing the cities, one cannot wait but say we want peace, we want justice, and we want sustainable development for everybody. Thank you for that. And I wanted to also ask you about how you would describe the current state of the Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the SDGs overall. 
So in 2015, the world leaders came up with what we now call sustainable development agenda and defined certain number of goals which will be guiding the development of the individual countries in the world at large for the coming years until 2030. There has been a lot of discussions whether or not we are, the world is on track on the agenda and the response is clearly not. Um, recently, the world, uh, the United Nations Economic and uh, Social Department published a report when they openly acknowledged that the world is not delivering on sustainable development promise. While in some domains we do indeed require development, at large we are failing delivering on our development goals. And clearly, the pandemic, which was imposed on the world unexpectedly, the worsened situation even further. And recent war, which has struck the world and in the, at the heart of Europe, I mean, makes the uncertainty level even more significant. So I believe it's very difficult to say whether or not we will be able to deliver on 2030 agenda. Most probably not. And what we will need to do is perhaps mobilize and take more serious actions, serious actions toward the delivery. So as someone who has a background in economics and uh, other aspects of kind of social science, how did you get interested and involved in the work? on sustainable development? So the development of my personal interest was very straightforward. When I was working in the International Labour Office, you might know that the ILO has came up with what is called Decent Work Agenda. That was a multi-criteria decision-making framework because decent work itself entails four different domains. It's the employment, social security, social dialogue at the implementation of labor standards. And at some point I was requested to look at how globalization influences decent work. So the globalization itself was the multi-dimensional phenomenon looking at movement of people, movement of ideas, movement of resources. And it was at that point when the idea of looking at a social economic development framework or developing an innovative metrics that will be capable of assessing the impact of various policies over development outcome came into the mind. And it was at that point in 2006 when I identified a methodology which was developed by Cooper uh, and armed in his team. And uh, I thought that this technique could be applicable in looking at global development challenges. Well, can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of what policies do governments need to ensure that they have in place to help bring about the objectives? And I think uh, this is a very interesting question because when you ask what policies government need to put in place, we have to see precisely what domain of the policy we are looking at. So if we are looking at uh, education, clearly one will need to look at specific policy measures that are influencing education outcome. If we are looking at health 
development, we will need to see what are the policies towards health development that will ensure our best outcome. And in that context, if we are speaking about wider globalization, clearly trade and investment can come in. What was our own interest and added value of our approach is that we managed to combine various policy measures and different policy outcomes within a single policy framework. The advantage of this particular technique is that depending on a specific questions policymakers can pose, they can choose specific indicators of the respective policy measures and then they can try to analyze the outcome. So it's very flexible. So what we are trying to do, what we were able to ensure is not what, at what level of policy interventions can be optimal for delivering the a maximum development outcome. So I think that's the way we one will formulate the question, not what policies, but if you take tax policies, investments in research or export tariffs, every individual time we have to look at what is the optimal of level of the measures that will deliver maximum development outcome. Well, precisely the nature of your book is about, you know, measuring the progress on the SDGs. So how do you, you know, you, you put uh, as a government, you put policies into place. And as you say, it's it's um, getting that optimum level right. But how do you actually measure it? So what, how do we do it? First, we have to see the historical development of the country or decision-making units. So in our book, we are taking the decision-making units, which are the units that are converting specific inputs to particular outputs. And if we extrapolate that, that framework to a country level, then we are taking policies as an input and we are taking development outcomes as an output. So in that context, how does it work? We first look at observations, how the countries were doing during past period of time. It can be the years and months, depending on the type of variable we are trying to discuss. We are looking at similar decision-making units to have a wider set of observations that can be country or a city or region or an enterprise, again, depending on the type of question we are trying to address. And then based on the past performances of these decision or policy making units, we are driving conclusion on how best they can continue in the future. So what the model does, the model identifies the units or years with similar set of inputs and outputs and tries to derive the best performance opportunities. Defining, of course, the weaknesses and improvement of options as well. So tell me a little bit about technology and how that plays into advancing the SDGs and how, how did you cover that in your research? So, I mean, we all are living what we call fourth industrial revolution. In a sense, the world is going through a new transformation where ideas are becoming products in a very short period of time when a large numbers of jobs are being replaced by artificial intelligence. And this big transition definitely will have both positive and negative impact in a development. 
So in our book, we did not address specifically that issue because of the unavailability of data. But what we are looking at as a general um, facilitating factor, we know that the technological transformation will have both negative and positive influence. So the only positive thing we can see immediately that as far as the data work research is concerned, now the real-time data because becomes available very simply and we do not need to take long time to be able to consider them for the research exercises. And uh, I mean, you can see that the COVID, the only positive impact of the COVID, which we can see is the possibility of organizing the events or discussions without physical movement of people. And that might have been right, one of the important achievements of the technological investment when people in the globally, they don't, they can find solutions by connecting in their own respective places. Well, mentioning about the global pandemic, it definitely had more adverse effect on the SDGs. Um, but your point is well taken about uh, looking at any positive outcomes, but how has it affected progress? And you alluded to this at the beginning of your remarks saying that, you know, we're not on track, but how far did it actually, you know, halt the progress that had been underway? I mean, clearly, the COVID pandemic has changed the pathway of the sustainable development agenda. And you know, United Nations produced a report in which they provided some estimations. And I can just provide, share with you some numbers to say that uh, the the global poverty rate in 2019 was at 8.2% even before the pandemic, but the pandemic brought it down to 8.8 in 2020. So which means it's already big change in terms of the numbers. So they also concluded that estimated 71 million additional people will be living in extreme poverty due to COVID. So this is not just numbers. These are the destinies of the 78 million additional people whose livelihood has been shaked and deteriorated. Uh, so the report also says that in Southern Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, they are seeing the, the largest increase in extreme poverty with additional 32 million and 26 million respectively living below international poverty line. So this already is a clear indication that uh, we are very seriously off track and the achievements the world has recorded after the successful implementation of the MDGs and hoping just when embarking on Agenda 2030, have now kind of been diminished significantly. So is this also a, f a funding gap and where does that come into play? Um, speaking about funding, I mean, I think in this particular context, it has not been a funding. It was a transformation, the impact the COVID had in terms of disruption of production in terms of disruption of 
uh, trade relations between countries. The lockdowns themselves had this considerable negative impact on in the, um, enterprises and their performances. So it's not merely the funding, but funding indeed will have an important positive impact when setting the negative outcomes. So I think the world needs to have a new global social contract where additional resources must be needed to engage for delivering and uh, improving these negative I mean, outcomes. The Geneva Consensus Foundation is an organization that is really close to your heart and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what it does and what the aspirations are. Clearly, this is the most exciting question I love to answer oh, I mean, all the time. So, um, Geneva Consensus Foundation itself, I can say, is a tribute to the work of William Cooper, who is a co-founder of Data Envelopment Analysis. I have been privileged, as I have already said, to have an opportunity to work and grow under his professional arm. It was in 2005 when I was still working for the International Labour Office when I identified the methodology which has then been elaborated with me, with him and my co-author, current co-author Stan Thor, into a number of research papers and the second volume which we luckily been able to publish with Elsevier. So the build in his life had recorded significant achievements in the field of operations, research and management sciences. And one of the dreams he had was to bring the data envelopment analysis to global deliberations at the United Nations. Unfortunately, it was impossible for him to do it. And when we met, my first promise to him was like I'll do everything possible impossible in my hand so the framework that we both believed was absolutely useful for global deliberations and global decision making will be put in into the hands of the UN decision makers so uh, Bill had been mentoring my work for many many years and he just passed away in June 2012 when the Rio plus 20 summit was going on and that was a signal for me that I had to take an action and put together an institutional setting that will bring on and continue his work. So as uh, Stan Tour, my co-author, wrote in the preface of our first book, Diagnostics for a Globalized World, we have tried together to make multiple research papers looking at how policy policies influence development outcome. We have used different simulations depending on the paper and the outcome. And as Stan said, it, this work we put in the books were only the beginning of the process. But in order to have a large scale application, we have been in need of an institutional setting. And so that was the Geneva Consensus Foundation. The foundation was created in January 2013. And back then, the sustainable development goals were not yet in existence. Nonetheless, I mean, we were really forward-looking that in our objective, we have put that the objective of the foundation was to contribute to global deliberations and provide the analytical 
underpinning that global decision makers were in need for forging consensus to achieve sustainable development goals. So United Nations, they have a very specific framework allowing non-governmental organizations to join the family. So that's the accreditation with United Nations Economic and Social Council. And it's after the two years of existence, certain organizations who comply with their requirements and who provide really useful technical competence, useful for the economic and social councils operation are accredited and allowed to engage with their deliberations. So it was after two years of our existence when I made a request, of course, showing the NGO committee that we do have something to bring into the UN's work. And it was 2016 when ECOSOC decided favorably on accrediting, on awarding us a special consultative status. So there are two types of status for those who don't know. It's, there is a special and general consultative status. The general consultative status is normally given to larger organizations who have a larger outreach. Whereas special consultative status is awarded to smaller organizations which are uh, specialized in a specific field of expertise. So until recently, we were having the special consultative status. I made a request on behalf of the Geneva Consensus Foundation requesting the ECOSOC to upgrade the foundation to general consultative status in a hope that we will have a wider impact on UN deliberations. And the second book, as you already know, provides a more specific um, uh, theoretical and scientific framework justifying consensus building. It's, so it's not just a word, Geneva Consensus, that's pleasant to hear, but Geneva Consensus is a really firm, scientifically bound, methodological framework that will enable global decision makers to forge a consensus for sustainable development. On that note, can you describe about the recommendations that come out of the book? And you, you are uh, very articulate in sharing how COVID has really set back the objectives around no poverty, SDG 1, and all the other links um, with the other SDGs. Um, if you have poverty, you often are having hunger, your health and well-being is, is at risk, etc. So can you describe some of the recommendations that you make in the book? So um, that part of the book was clearly written by my co-author, Stan Tor, and in the first part of the book, he made uh, analytic, he analyzed the policy outcome on uh, OECD countries, and he took a specific set of variables and looking at how individual European countries were doing before pandemic and after. So the set of indicators uh, he looked was the gross domestic product. Uh, product. He looked life expectancy at birth. He took youth not in employment. And uh, he took uh, Gini coefficient in terms of equality. 
And uh, I mean, the model itself, it derives certain number of countries as effective to show that those countries were successfully transferring their uh, policy variables into development outcomes and also identifying numerically the weaknesses or improvement opportunities for the others to follow. So the biggest advantage of our approach is that we identify peer countries and the peer countries implies that countries can learn from um, the, the others. So which means um, the model identifies specific set of countries. I'm trying to find a good example for you to say like, um, so here, I mean, the results mentioned that we have suboptimal countries in like Australia, Austria, Belgium, Germany, Ireland, and Luxembourg, which were uh, identified to be a suboptimal. This simply implied that those countries would have been able to deliver better development outcome had they been implemented different policy measures. And so by that, do you mean that they, um, in terms of their financial aid and assistance to developing countries? Oh, no, 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 no. The whole idea is financial aid uh, uh, is not included. So, in order to speak about financial aid, we must include financial aid into our analytical framework. And if we do not address it in our analytical framework, we cannot drive conclusions on their effectiveness. So we have not been using aid in this particular uh, manuscript because this was not something we wanted to look at. In this case, we were looking how the countries were influencing their own development. But in an earlier work that I have done with my two co-authors, Nicole Adler and Kajsa Jozemski, we definitely look at the impact of effectiveness of development assistance and saying how countries were using development assistance for developing, uh, delivering better development outcomes. So the advantage of this technique and disadvantage is if we use a specific variable in analysis, we can drive conclusions on it, but if the specific variable has not been addressed in our model, we, we reserve from analyzing and speaking about that. Thank you for that. Well, we ask everyone the same final question, Rosanna, and that is what message on the SDGs do you want to leave listeners with? So what will be the best message is that we each of us have to bear our own responsibility towards the outcome of the Agenda 2030. So if everyone in their respective places and roles, whether a mother or a child or a teacher or an entrepreneur or manager, if we all try to do our best committed to the development outcome of Agenda 2030, the hope that the objectives will be met is much higher. So I think we all have to mobilize and show highest level of individual responsibility towards the achievements of the agenda. Uh, Rosanna, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for this opportunity. It was a pleasure to share some thoughts with you. Thank you. 
Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to discover more conversations about how to build back better to achieve the global goals, see leading edge news, science, law, and business content on the Relics SDG Resource Center at sdgresources.relx.com.